Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. Everyone and welcome to the Select Star Tech Podcast, hosted by Harper DB. Um, thanks for tuning in. We've got another really awesome guest today that that I'm excited about that I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a little bit. So I'm glad we were able to make it work. So, um, and if I pronounce the name incorrectly, you can correct me. But we have a Didiong. Um, is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I actually pronounced it really well. Perfect. Well, yes, thank you for joining today. Um, I I believe you're based in Nigeria. Um, I have your Twitter pulled up. That was kind of how I found you. I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit. I know you're a software developer and content creator and also a developer advocate for Hashnode, which is exciting because we happen to be um, sponsoring a hackathon with Hashnode this month. So yeah. a lot of stars aligned. I thought it was a good time to chat. So thanks for joining. Thanks for having me as well. Great. Um, so yeah, maybe to get started, it would be great to hear just a little bit about, you know, about you, your journey into tech, um, how, you know, what you're working on now, how you got here, just would love to, to learn a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, like you rightly said, my name is Edidion Asiko. I'm currently based in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I feel like my journey into tech is, um, I mean, most just like most people do. Even though I studied computer science, I wouldn't necessarily attach being in tech to that. I'm going to tell you why. So, growing up, I feel like everybody has different aspirations in life while they're like kids. And when they become teenagers and when they become adults eventually. So I moved from wanting to be a lawyer while I was a child because I feel like I was very argumentative, right? So you wouldn't just say something and I'll absolutely agree with you. I always want to know why you believe in that particular thing or <laughs> understand exactly what you're trying to say, right? So I wasn't that child who accepted just anything. So right. I think because of that, my parents just kind of thought that, yeah, <laughs> my parents thought that, I'll, I'll become a lawyer. So, I mean, my dad was already calling me a lawyer and stuff. So that's pretty much what I had in mind. But when I became like a teenager in like high school, I wanted to study um, petrochemical engineering. So I pretty much moved from like the law side of things or well, like moved from art to science, right? And right. then well, my, my father wasn't really in tune with that. He preferred that I should go for medicine and surgery, which wasn't really something that I... I liked doing because um, I don't think I'm super comfortable with like drugs or injections or anything that has to do with like the human body, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's absolutely scary. But yeah. I mean, since, <laughs> yeah, since he was the one who was paying my fees, I, I mean, I had no choice sort of, I feel like the, the ecosystem in Nigeria and Africa in general is a lot different from like other places where um, I mean parents are not necessarily super strict with like their children and stuff right so I decided to go for medicine and surgery went to the exams and passed as well but then the school I was supposed to go to was like very far from where I used to stay um, again my dad wasn't comfortable with that so that's when I switched to computer science uh, that's when I started studying computer science. And while I was in high school, just to step back a bit, computer science was something that was 
easy for me. I think the teacher like did a very good job at, at like explaining it. But when I went to college, it wasn't as easy as it used to be. So I don't know if it's because of the lecturers, right, who maybe were not teaching it in the right way or I just wasn't understanding it, but there was something happening there. So the, the change for me was when I went for an internship um, at a company called Start Innovation Hub while I was in my tech year. And in the process of doing that, I got exposed to other young people like me who were doing really fascinating things, who were building communities, building applications, building websites. And I was just amazed that if you actually study, if you actually learn how to code, that you could actually build up like interesting things or maybe build up like the tiniest features on Facebook or something. Because at the time, I really loved Facebook. So when I got into Android development, the fact that I could build like an app that I could click on it and then it showed the Facebook logo was exciting to me. Like I was so happy to be honest. And I knew that if I kept on that path, then it meant that at some point I was able to build like better Android applications. So when I went back to school, um, a lot of things made more sense to me. Things that I didn't understand previously were like a lot clearer because I actually understood what coding meant. I had like a lot more practical knowledge about it than I did before I went for that internship. So I would say the reason why I'm in tech today is specifically because of that internship. I don't necessarily because um, I studied computer science because I don't think I would have still followed the same path if I didn't go to for that internship. Yeah, so pretty much after that internship, I got involved in like contributing to open source projects, um, also building communities as well. Then joined the company, a, a company as a developer advocate, where I was like helping to build um, a stronger community for that company, right? That eventually transitioned into Hashnode. And I think the Hashnode gig was basically because I was already publishing content, right? So the CEO of Hashnode reached out to me and said, hey, we'd actually, actually love to have you on board. And he just liked some of the stuff that I was doing already. And at that moment, I was already like a Hashnode fan girl. Like I absolutely loved Hashnode and everything it stood for. So I was like, yeah, this would definitely be fantastic. I'd love to come on board as a developer advocate. And then um, I switched and joined Hashnode. So yeah, that's pretty much a short version of, how I got into tech and how, like how I got here. Wow, that's that's awesome. It's it's cool to hear your story. I think it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that that one internship. You know, you you got lucky and and had a great experience at that one internship yeah. that that motivated you to continue in tech because I think more often than not, you know, people unfortunately, you know, they'll study something in college, they'll major in something and. They'll think they don't like it, or maybe they'll have a bad experience at their first internship or job, and they'll change paths. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to think about how that one experience can actually affect your path so much. Um, you know, you had, I guess, the right introduction into tech and kind of what you wanted to do, and stayed that exactly. Path. I don't think everyone gets so lucky. So it's it seems like um, <laughs> it seems like perfect that you know that that happened and that you didn't go the route of being a lawyer or doctor, which would be awesome as well. But um, <laughs> very different. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think of me like, what would life be like if I went into like being a doctor, becoming a lawyer? It's it's hard to imagine because I don't know. I feel like tech. There's something about tech. There's like. I mean, being a doctor or a lawyer is great, like you said, 
But then with tech, there are like a lot more opportunities. There's like room to work remotely. There's room to meet interesting people when you're a developer advocate. There's like a lot of interesting benefits that you may not necessarily get as a lawyer or a person in the medical field. But anyway, so it doesn't change that those, those professions are still amazing as well. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's a good way to put it. There's there's so many amazing positions and, and necessary jobs out there, but it just is about finding finding the one that's the right fit. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people pivot mm-hmm. and change multiple times throughout their career, which is okay, but um, it probably feels yeah. good to like know you're in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, very cool. So do you, so now you're doing developer advocacy for Hashnode. I've, I've seen a lot of the content that you post online. Um, I know you and a, and a couple other of the advocates have done a really great job of building community around Hashnode. Um, I, I used to only know about Dev.2 and maybe a couple others. And then when I discovered Hashnode, it seems like it yeah. grew really quickly. Like it was, you know, everyone was talking about it. There were all these articles on why should you yeah. post Hashnode <laughs> and nowhere else? And it's it's really cool to see the momentum because I feel that it that it's happened really quickly over the last year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It sure did. So um, I would say it. We so Hashnode started out as a QA platform, right? And then when Medium introduced like the paywall, um, the founders created something called DevBlog, which we eventually changed to Hashnode. So DevBlog was like give developers the opportunity to not just write an article for a platform, not just go to write on like Dev.2 or Medium, where the traffic goes to the domain of that company. But then it gives you an opportunity to actually own a blog that sends traffic directly to your own domain. So if you ever decide to leave and create your own blog from scratch, you still like stay and benefit all of those things that all of those SEO benefits, all of those um, interactions that you got on that domain, regardless of, of staying on Hashnode or not. And I think another interesting thing is when, when people build their blogs from scratch, right, and don't necessarily have an audience online it's hard for people it's hard for people to read or discover their articles but with Hatchnode, we're giving you that opportunity to still map your domain and also have like a, a community right that is ready and willing to read your article if they find you useful so i think the combination of those two things made it really fascinating for developers right i mean you had to like come up with different good strategies to pass the message and ensure that We've got like a lot of creators on the platform and stuff. But I think more, more specifically, it's like the value that we provide to the developer community that gave us, um, I mean, made us grow as fast as we did. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And I think, um, I, I believe from what I know of that Hashnode is one of the first communities to structure it in this way. Because as you said, almost all of the other blogging platforms have have everything going to their own site and their own domain. And so I'm assuming that yeah. Hashnode has grown so quickly and done so well is because maybe it's the first of, of its kind that's that's doing this, you know, providing developers and writers the opportunity to have their own domain. And maybe maybe other sites will start to catch on and, and start to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's pretty much like, you know how Clubhouse came out, right? And then when companies realized that Clubhouse was doing well, every single company is now creating like audio clones. And I'm like, okay, can you all just calm down? Right. 
<laughs> exactly. There's always a, a leader of the pack and then um, sometimes the copycats, but yeah, <laughs> I guess they say copying can be a form of a form of flattery. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's it really great. cool. And it seems, I mean, it seems like the whole community is, is so positive. And I know for, for this hackathon that we're doing this month, it's been so great to to work with everyone and just so flexible and easy and like any questions we had, it was just kind of, yeah, that's totally fine. No worries. Um, like it's been really awesome to work with you guys. And so I think, I think doing partnerships like that, like that, doing the hackathon partnerships and other, other sponsorships and, and any partnerships you do with companies is such a great way to like get, get the word out there and get more people on the blog, but also just kind of like promote, you know, further education and resources in the community. So um, it's been a great experience. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, just to mention, though, I definitely feel like you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. You have a DB as well. So I, I think I discovered have a DB like a few months ago, and it's definitely from you. But then I've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people talk about it in like, I mean, it's part of like two, three months. Almost everybody's talking about it. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, ha- I think I looked at your profile at some point. I'm like, okay, you're definitely doing a really great job of like capturing so many people at the same time. And I mean, like partnering with companies, finding interesting ways to ensure that developers across the world hear about HapaDB. That's that's really, really amazing. You're doing great. Oh, well, thank you. I Coming from a professional developer advocate like you, I definitely appreciate that. Um, it's, yeah, we're... We're trying to do sort of similar, you know, developer relations, community building, where we spread the word and just get people curious about it to try it out. But, you know, balancing not being too salesy and not being too like advertising in your face, you know, here, try this Mm -hmm. product. I think it's so much more genuine to have people really try it out. And I'm always encouraging people to share their honest opinion. Like if there's something you don't like, you know, we have a feedback board, yeah. helper team would love to hear it. You don't have to just say positive things. Like that's what building a community is about is being able to, to offer suggestions and things. So, um, I think it's a, it's a fun time to be in developer relations and developer advocacy because it's yeah. the companies that aren't doing it yet are realizing that they, they better start doing it because it's, um, becoming more and more. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, just to speak on something you said about um, trying not to make it selfie or marketing or stuff like that. I think that's something that is very, very important and vital for a person in the developer advocate space to know because over the years I've discovered that developers don't really like marketing. They don't like when you're like, hey, come on, use this, come on, use that. They like they like it when another developer tells them, hey, I tried this product and I think it's great or here are some of the benefits of this product. So finding interesting ways to like pass that message to developers without necessarily coming off as salesy or marketing is absolutely very important. Like it's one of the, <laughs> one of the vital things you need to do because once they begin to perceive it as just marketing, it would slowly like remove developers from like the um, like the product or the community. But once it's once it feels like something that's actually genuine, right? Like doing things that are impacting the developers or would help them become better a particular thing when they use a company's product is like a good approach to doing developer advocacy. And I, I think your team is doing a really great job at that. Well, thank you. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. I think um 
what you're saying is, is so spot on and it's, it's definitely a delicate and sometimes I think difficult dance to learn how to do. I like, I think it takes some time to learn the best way to, to kind of pay and get the point across and connect with these different developers and build those relationships. Like it takes time, but once you start to feel that traction, um, it's so exciting. Like it's definitely one of those situations where the hard work pays off, which I'm sure you feel (laughs) the same way with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So do you, so do you guys on the hash note team have, you know, any exciting like feature updates or any other exciting events coming up or anything or anything you're kind of allowed to talk about? I'm always curious, but I know sometimes you can't really talk about things quite yet. (laughs) Yeah, so we have like a lot of um, interesting features coming up. I mean, one of the things we launched recently was um, Hashtag Sponsors, which is like another interesting way for developers to make money through blogging i mean hashtag already supports web monetization but we just thought that okay hey how else can we ensure that people who create content can make money as well through blogging right and then hashtag sponsors gives it's more like a, a community funding initiative sort of right so if you come to my blog and like my article you could just like decide to sponsor that article or sponsor any of my blog posts in general. So that's like an interesting thing that I'll definitely want people to check out if they've not done that already. And the next step for us is trying to create um, like more team specific features for organizations. So right now we have like a lot of individual developers at Hashtag, but one of the things we'd love to do in the future is to bring a lot more businesses and tech community into Hashtag as well. So instead of an individual blogging space, it could be like a team blog, a team publication sort of, where tons of people can publish on their, um, for instance, HapaDB's blog, right? I mean, it's already available in beta for a couple of people, but we're looking at expanding that a lot more to more people and like more com- more companies and community in the ecosystem. Yeah, I think those are like the two major things. So there are definitely a lot of other um fixes here and there and like creating better experiences like in- improving our feed to make it a lot more interesting for not just writers but for for readers as well that's interesting yeah i've definitely seen i think i've seen some posts about the new sponsorship features and that sounds um i mean that's that's such a great way to I guess, engage and and connect and support fellow developers and folks in the tech community where you can say, hey, like, I really learned a lot from this. I really support this. I want this person to keep creating content. So I'm going to to sponsor this. And and can you choose like how much are there different levels of sponsorship? Like you can choose any amount to sponsor or is that pretty flexible? Yeah, you can choose choose any amount to sponsor. It's actually um, flexible. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I think that's um, and it's, it's probably awesome for the people doing the sponsorship to know that that's going straight to the writer and the content creator and, you know, not just going yeah. to the platform, which probably happens with a lot of other blogging platforms, as you said, that are like behind paywalls. So, um, that's, that's yes. really interesting. And I love the other idea of having, you know, allowing more collaboration and allowing people to, as you I think you said, kind of co-write and join together on projects and tutorials mm-hmm. and things um, I think that'll just further like the networking aspect of blogging platforms where you can maybe build a project with someone across the world um, and collaborate by yeah. that together. That's really cool. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. So about the um, hackathon, what are some of the things your team is looking at? Like, what kind of projects are you um, like? Ex- I mean, I know a couple of clubs are recently publishing articles around their projects. Have you seen anyone that you're excited about yet? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even even before we launched this hackathon, we've as as you said, as we've been building a lot of momentum over the last couple of months, we've seen some really cool. Um, tutorials and, and projects coming out oh. in general of people building different apps with HarperDB, um, just, you know, people asking like a lot more questions on our community Slack channel, just like a lot more, um, I think, collaboration and things that are happening around it. And so this hackathon came at a perfect time because Hashnode helps us spread the word to their users and, you know, they can just use the free tier of HarperDB. It's really like low commitment. There's not much to lose, but um yeah, we've seen some some really awesome projects, especially with some newer or maybe less popular frameworks and languages. Because previously we've had like oh, lots that's of, interesting. yeah, a lot. Previously we've had lots of people building things with maybe Node.js and React and um, some other you know really great ones. But it's been cool to see um, some new ones come out. Like recently we had someone write one with Gatsby. Um, a couple others, you know, I think there was someone that submitted one in the hackathon that was building like a library management system with EJS and Node.js. So I, I think it's cool just seeing people like build with with all these different frameworks, languages and tools and just take their own, put their own spin on it. Um, that's kind of what we're most excited to see because, you know, every developer has their own preferred method and, and tools they want to work with. So it's great for us to not have to like put those regulations in place and say hey this you have to do it this way it's like very open-ended which is fun yeah yeah that's absolutely like a very valid point I think that would make a lot more people um contribute right because the thing with creating certain teams for hackathons I mean it can be great right it could help you achieve specific things but then it also limits the creativity of the developer because they have to think within a certain team like whatever idea they're coming up with has to like fit into the team. So I like that um, Hapadi was open to making it open to all and not restricting it to like certain teams for the hackathon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we want to just, I mean, we've seen over the past six months or so, we've seen um, developers globally, you know, signing up for HarperDB, using it, joining our community. Actually, surprisingly, we had noticed um, back in around February and March, we noticed we were getting a lot of signups from Nigeria um, and other surrounding areas, which is so cool to see. That's just, you know, somewhere oh, cool. <laughs> so far across the world. And it's, I mean, I'm assuming that developer communities are, are growing everywhere and it just is cool to like feel connected with these people. Yeah, it is. And yeah, be able to just and have that community. And um, I think a lot of people might mistakenly assume that most developers are in North America or Europe or something, but they're, they're everywhere. And there's countries where they're way smarter than we are. So (laughs) it's just been really cool to see. Exactly. They're everywhere. (laughs) And there are like a lot more communities that are growing and becoming better in terms of like tech and all. it's, It's really interesting to see. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, you know, is there a strong sense of, of tech or developer community near where you live or, or where you're from? Um, or do you feel that most of the community building you do is like online and virtual with, with people all over, or do you, is it kind of a mix right now or what's that look like? 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, when, when I started out, like when I went for that intern- internship that I talked about sometime in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, it was more of the like local meetups, right? So it was, I was only open to people who lived at the same place that I lived in, right? People from um, Akwaibom in Nigeria, which is the state in Nigeria. But over time, I got to discover that, oh, hey, it's not just about my local community, right? Not just about people that I can easily see. There are like a lot more people out there, a lot more people that you can interact with thanks to interesting things like social media, right? So you could like become friends with tons of people across the world. So I, I'd say the developer community in Africa is growing really, really well and super fast, more specifically in Nigeria, right? I mean, there are like other countries like Nairobi, um, Rwanda, that is also doing great in like the tech community and ecosystem. But I think for Nigeria, I mean, if you want to look at like all of the different countries in Africa, which of them is I mean, bringing out like really interesting. I'm not just saying this because I'm from Nigeria, actually. <laughs> I think I think it's it's like it's it's the truth. There are a lot more software engineers in Nigeria, and I think Nigerians have the um, there are people that are re- really focused, right? We love to achieve achieve certain things. So there are people who put our minds to do really great and awesome things, and we've we've discovered that being in the tech space is something that comes with a lot of opportunities. Because to be honest, the country is not like one of the best places to be. We don't have, I mean, our leaders, the people in the government are, um, we have mostly corrupt leaders, right? So the country isn't going as great as, as it should be. So just seeing young people doing amazing things in tech and like pushing Nigeria to be an awesome country is something that's really fascinating to see. And I believe that over time, we're going to continue seeing more interesting um, people, more interesting um, software engineers, developer advocates and the rest coming out from like countries like Nigeria and other African countries in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. I'm, I'm sure it's, um, you know, I'm sure it kind of catches on and, and spreads quickly that once, you know, if someone sees their brother or their friend or someone and how much they're succeeding after they mm-hmm. learned how to code or just getting into tech in general, I'm sure it's like it's kind of spreads that way where if if a bunch of people started doing it in Nigeria first, maybe that's why it maybe that's why it seems like one of the countries that's um, doing it the most. But I definitely agree with you. As I said, we've seen lots of signups for HarperDB and just other people like joining our community saying, Hey, from Nigeria. And it's, it's just, it's so cool. And it's, um, it's definitely inspiring and, um, just, yeah, it just makes you feel like in this virtual day and age, and especially with, you know, everything that's happened with the pandemic and everything, it's like, it's cool to feel so connected, um, with someone that's so far away. And so exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the pandemic definitely opened us a lot more to the possibilities of doing things online. I mean, when before the pandemic, yeah, we did stuff online, but it, we also had to do things in person. So the pandemic made us see that, yeah, we were just basically scratching the surface of things that we could do online. And then it opened us to like more, more interesting things, like better ways of like hosting events, better ways of communicating or connecting with, with different people. So I definitely agree that, I mean, even though the pandemic has been terrible, it's like, lots of lives have been lost but I think that it also kind of had good parts I mean it made the world realize that 
first of all, anything can happen at any point. Like I literally didn't believe that <laughs> we could be at a place where nobody could go out outside of their houses for like weeks and months, right? But then we're now exposed to the possibility of that. So maybe it means that we'll probably take global warming a lot more seriously or understand that we need to take care of the world better. And then they also gave an opportunity to still be able to connect with people, even though we didn't meet them physically. And another interesting thing is so many companies thought that it wasn't possible for them to work remotely. They were absolutely against remote work. But again, the pandemic has also showed them that, hey, you can actually do this. And right now, a lot more developers are, a lot more developers don't want to go back to like, the office, they prefer to work from home. So I believe this would make a lot of companies begin to like, shift their mindset of thinking that you can't work remotely and still do good work. And then it would mean that people would have more time to spend with their family, have more time for, the, for themselves and their mental health as well. Yeah, I... I love the um, I love the points you make there, and just kind of focusing on the positives that can come from you know something that has been so negative and so scary for so many reasons. But yeah. um, you bring up some some really cool points, and it's funny when you said like this now makes people realize that anything is possible because it's so true that when this first started happening over a year ago, you know everyone said, "Oh, this will be maybe a week or a couple of weeks," and then kept saying, "Oh, maybe a month." maybe two months exactly <laughs> that it would ever turn into what it did and so yeah you make such an interesting point of like I think yeah. now people are realizing you know life is unpredictable we don't really know you know we can't say what's going to happen and as you said we shouldn't like turn down other things that are happening such as global warming and you know if, if a global pandemic can happen you know what else can happen but um and uh, yeah I also yeah. agree on just like the working remote world that we have now, like our, our team, you know, we've been remote ever since COVID first hit and our developer team, especially, um, became way more productive when like, right when we went remote and our, I think my oh, boss nice. numbers, I know. And it's probably cause you said like, there's no commuting. Um, people have more time. Yeah. They can kind of work on their own hours. Like if they want to work a little in the morning and a little at night, that's totally fine. And, um, it's definitely showing exactly. that like there's a where there's a will there's a way you know you can figure it out there's a way to do it like we're staying remote for now <laughs> it works best for us and I know some companies are going back like halftime or um whatever they're doing but it's just yeah it's been cool to see how everyone has like adapted and worked together to to make it through <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's really it's really good to see. I mean, I think even if companies do have time, that's a lot better than completely forcing people to come back um, to the office because I mean, it's been almost a year or more than a year of working from home. So it's it's definitely going to seem like a big shift, um, a big shift to like go back to work immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. I think. I've heard a lot of people say like, it's so nice working from home, but it would be great to have a, a mix of maybe a couple days in the office, a couple days at home, like having that flexibility. So um, I'm curious yeah. to see like where the trend will go over the next five years or so. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's just so cool to be able to connect, you know, with people in your position um, and hear, hear the really interesting insight. And just like, every time I have these pod, these conversations for the podcast, I always, feel like really positive and excited afterwards because I get to connect with like really cool 
um, just energetic, like people that look at the world in such a positive way. And so, um, that's why I love yeah. conversations. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one thing I like to ask, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but one thing I always like to ask guests is, um, well, two things. One is if you have any, um, tips, like if you had to think of your top three favorite tips or something for, either people listening that are trying to get into coding and just get into development or people that are maybe trying to get into a position similar to where you are um, with developer advocacy. Like just if you had to summarize, you know, some of your favorite tips and suggestions that have helped you along the way, I think people are always, you know, everyone, everyone that you talk to and hear from at least has like some, some little snippet or some takeaway that I think people will remember and, and that's helpful. So I always like to, to ask that. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Um, I do have, well, I would say two tips. So the first tip that I have is, um, so let me just give like a quick, a quick um, story before I say that. So I, I, there was a point in my life where I struggled with understanding how to communicate through writing, right? So most of the time I could have like ideas that I wanted to share, but because I didn't believe that I was going to say it in the right way, I would decide not to go ahead and like sharing that idea. And what that did to me over time was it made me lose certain opportunities that I would have had access to, right? If I felt I was comfortable enough to like express myself in words. So at a certain point in my life, I decided to be intentional about um, growing as, as a writer because even though you're a software developer, the ability to express yourself perfectly in words or, I mean, not necessarily perfectly, but to a certain level is very important. And I just knew that I, I needed to like improve because I also wanted to delve into um, technical writing a lot more. And one of the first things that I did was try to cut down on the way I used um, short forms while texting, right? I feel like it's something a lot of people underestimate. So instead of saying, like literally typing out, how are you? I'll use like short forms, like how, like H-W. And, and then instead of spelling out R, that's A-R-E, I would use, just type the letter R. And subconsciously, that was making me forget like real English words that I would have used because I was just like using short forms. And when I was writing like, let's say an email, right? I could use like short forms instead of like the actual word because this was something I was used to doing. So I had to cut down on that. And then I decided to like read a lot more. And in the process of reading, I came across this quote, which is what I'm going to share, which said, you only learn how to do something by doing that thing, right? So in my case, I wanted to learn how to write. And it said, the only way I could learn how to write is by actually writing. So my first tip today would be that whatever you want to do, the only way to do that thing is if you actually start doing that thing. You might say, hey, I want to start coding. I think coding would be great. I want to become like a designer. And most of the time, we just keep ourselves from like just thinking about those things, but not necessarily doing those things, right? So once we, as every single time we don't do those things, it means we are taking ourselves a bit further from achieving that dream or crushing that goal. So if you ever want to do anything, which is could be like maybe getting started in tech or um getting started in designing whatever it is you want to be in the tech field my advice would be to start doing that thing it might seem like 
it's super difficult, right? Maybe you've seen a lot of people post stuff on Twitter and say, hey, you know, JavaScript is hard or SQL is hard, right? Those are their stories. It might not be yours, right? So don't let that stop you from going ahead to start because you may be shocked that when you eventually start, it, it becomes something super easy for you. I mean, even if it's not easy, it's something that you could still work through if you do that stuff consistently. Yeah, and then the second tip would be that you should always put yourself out there. I feel like most times people feel they don't know enough. So they kind of limit themselves from like sharing knowledge online or trying to help people. But I believe that if you've been in tech for, even if it's just one month, there's someone who just joined tech a day ago and has just one day of experience as a person in tech. So the information you have and the knowledge you have as a person who has been in tech for one month can help that person who has experience for one day. So yes, you don't have a ton of information. Yes, you don't have a ton of knowledge, but the knowledge you have can be useful to someone. So my advice would be to always put yourself out there, write as many articles as you can, talk about what you're learning, share what you're building, ask questions even about things you don't understand. Like be free and open to learn. Like don't ever feel like, you don't know enough or don't ever feel like mm, the fact that you don't know enough does not mean you should still share that knowledge because when you put yourself out there it gives you a lot more opportunities if you're constantly writing an article about react JS, for instance when someone bumps into an opportunity for a reactive job opportunity someone can decide to reach out to you because they love the articles you're writing and you start getting paid because you're writing those articles it could also come up as applying for a job and then the recruiter sees that you are knowledgeable about this subject because you've literally been teaching people how to understand this thing a lot better so i feel like putting ourselves out there gives us i know it can be scary it's like uncomfortable right but then it gives you access to a lot more opportunities in the future yeah that's it well yeah I, I mean I those are both really great tips I think um the first one that you mentioned of kind of you know as you said it, it maybe seems like common sense or or seems um scary at first but the best thing you can do is just get started somewhere and just do the thing you need to do or take the class you need to um, build a tutorial like you're never yeah. learn until you actually try it and you can only like watch so many videos um, until you try it yourself so I think that's that's a really good point like you have to start somewhere and and um, yeah secondly putting yourself out there I I talk a lot about how you know other than the couple I think internet trolls and and grumpy people here and there I think for the most part people especially <laughs> in, the, in the tech community, that's true I know there's always a couple but I think for the mass majority of, of what I've seen, like people on Twitter and, and blogging platforms, um, people are so helpful. And so, as you said, like if you put out a tutorial article that's not complete, or if you ask a question and you're scared that people are going to judge you, you know, that's, that's not really the case because people are really excited and eager to help each other out. And like, it's so cool to read threads of people brainstorming back and forth. And um, I think like connecting with a developer community somewhere, even if it's on Slack or discord or something um, it's such a great way yeah. to like, as you said, make those connections, get help, get resources out there. Um, and that's another thing I think getting on social media, getting on blogging, that's another thing you just, you have to just start somewhere. Everyone starts with 
zero followers. It's not, it doesn't have to be all about that. It's just, it can, it can be scary at first, but I definitely think it's, it's worth it. And it's such a cool way to meet people. Yeah, totally agree. It is. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we're kind of coming up on time. I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to to come chat on the podcast. I know um, I'm sure you're pretty busy and so definitely appreciate it. I think this, this worked out really well with um, the momentum that, you know, I've, I've definitely been trying to post my things on hash node recently. And then just when I saw the option to do this hackathon with Harper DB and hash node, um, I thought, Oh, wow, this would be like such a cool time to get someone from the hash node team on. So um, it worked out really well. It was so interesting to hear your story. And for anyone listening, we'll put, um, we'll put, you know, in the show notes, if you'd like, if you have any questions, any follow-up, or would just like to connect with either of us, um, you can easily do that on Twitter or other places. Um, and if you are listening, depending on what day you're listening on, there's probably still time to enter the hackathon if you want to, don't be afraid, but um, you know, no worries. I'm sure there'll be other upcoming events too, that you can always get involved in. Um, but yeah, either way, it's great to meet you and really appreciate your time. I look forward to keeping in touch and seeing um, all that Hashnode kind of does and, and succeeds in over the next year. Sure, thank you for having me as well. This was absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Well, have a great um, rest of your day or evening, um, probably closer to evening for you. And um, look yeah, forward to evening. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And thanks again. All right, sure. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.